When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tim McKernan Show podcast from the Longo Big Studios. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. That's Jackson Burkett. And it's time for questions from the audience. Uh, Jackson, the people in your generation call it QFTA. They do. They do. They like the abbreviations. And QFTA is a perfect one. This question from the uh, questions from the audience. Are you still flustered from the hell we took on balloon party? <laughs> no, no, flustered wouldn't be the right word. Uh, we uh, did the discussion that I have had annually since 2010. Best moment in St. Louis sports, worst moment in St. Louis sports, and uh, and then St. Louis sports person of the year. I've always said we include as far west as Columbia, Missouri, as far east as Champaign, Illinois, that caused a problem on 101. Uh, the fact that Jackson and I voted for uh, Harrison Mevis's kick as the best moment of the year really upset soccer fans. Yeah. And uh, that we both voted for Cody Schrader as the sports person of the year also really upset soccer fans. And I made the observation to Jackson that even though this was not intentional, it couldn't have been more perfect because Missouri fan and soccer guy, not a lot of overlap, but both share one thing in common, that is their exposed nerve. And, and so, therefore, soccer guy couldn't possibly comprehend how Missouri was winning, and then Missouri guy couldn't possibly comprehend how MLS soccer in particular was winning awards, and so all hell was breaking loose. And we were the targets of their ire, Jackson. Boy, howdy, were we ever, Tim. Jeez, some people were worked up, but you know that's the that's two very passionate fan bases sure. uh, pitted against each other. You can't expect anything it was else. awesome. Yeah, it was great. Uh, you can send your questions in anytime you like. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Got a bunch here. Looking forward to getting into it. I have a lunch at twelve forty-five. It's eleven seventeen right now, right downstairs, with my uh, high school baseball coach, and I use that term loosely because he cut me my junior and senior year. So he's a guy who coached high school baseball right. when I was there, right. and I was a guy who tried out. But we're not reliving my performance because it only lasted about a week and a half before I was cut. Yeah, but that was his politics, Tim. Thank you for saying it. Thank you for saying it. Uh, Jackson, um, in the YouTube thing, they're watching on YouTube – uh, and uh, the Hunchback of On Castle says, Jackson, did you get the lady a holiday gift? Good question. Um, not really. Not at the moment. I don't know what the deal is with that. Well, do you want to talk it over? No. Mm, not really. It's not something I really want to litigate here. Right. Some internally I'll have a discussion about. The fact that it's even in play, though, shows. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. Are you uncomfortable with how happy I am for you about your relationship? No. 
No, I I'm uncomfortable with how happy I am for you about your relationship. Well, you'll have to, you'll have to have another sure. internal discussion about that right. one. I'm having a lot of internal conversations. Uh, no, I'm ha I, I, you want people to be happy for you. That means uh, it's a reflection on yourself, I guess. You know, I noticed that. I had a few people, you may have seen it because you have the text inbox open during TMA, and there were a few people, and this was kind of off-brand, who were expressing their happiness for me with sound stories growth. I don't yeah. know if you saw those. I did. And I was like, oh, that's not really... You know, yeah, what I expect. Yeah, and granted, it it wasn't like, and why would people be all of a sudden texting in about that? But I'm like, oh, so along those lines, I have no investment in your relationship. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's something you want, and I'm happy that it seems like. I have no idea. Hell, I don't even know if there's even a girl here. <laughs> but it seems like you're very happy in the early going with this newfound. Uh, yeah. Friend of the feather. I am. I am. I am very and, happy. And I am really happy about that. For some, with you, like I'd be, I'm happier about that than if you came in and said, I had this threesome over the weekend with a couple of lasses I met at Wheelhouse. Here's what happened. Here's what they were doing. And it was wonderful. With you, I wouldn't want to hear that. But with, God, who on our show and our show's history would I be? I guess maybe producer Joe because Joe wasn't really relationship guy, even though Joe is a relationship guy now. Right, right. You want a relationship. Yeah, it doesn't fit, the threesome, it doesn't really fit my personality. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah, you know, it'd be like a, If I came, let me ask you this. If I came in and said I had the less popular MFF, when we see each other after the wonderful holiday break, what would your reaction be? Honest, honest reaction. Spit it out now. I'd be like, you got what you've always wanted. <laughs> Wouldn't you be like, isn't that fucking weird that you and your wife, a mother and father of young boys, was out having a threesome? Wouldn't that be the reaction? I, it's, it's, uh, but that's judging somebody on what they're, you know. But it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not judging. You're not looking for, like, them to, to terminate me because of it. You're just, like, your internal reaction. I would just be like, this is what he's always asked for, and so he finally got it. Like, I don't. Well, I mean, I've had it. Well, I've, it's just been low so many years ago. Right, but it's what you always ask for. And it is. I imagine when you blow up birthday candles, that's what you wish for. It, uh, it actually is, and I shouldn't acknowledge that because now it won't happen, as if it's on the precipice. <laughs> right, right. But you hold out the hope, and I would actually be a little concerned because, like, Everyone needs that goal to strive for. Everyone needs that that thing they can't obtain, you know, to chase that dragon. Right. And if you didn't have that, you know, I'd be a little nervous about your motivation. You know what my goal is right now? Do you know what my goal is? I bet you do know what my goal is. If I say it, you'll know it. You're going to get a lot You're gonna get a lot of these questions to see how well you... It's like the newlywed game, <laughs> actually, with some of these questions that are in here today. What is my goal right now? And then I'll try to figure out what your goal is. I don't even know if you have a goal. Like short-term or long-term? Just in general? Uh, Short-term. Uh, get, uh, yeah, long-term, I know what you would say. What would you say to that? To short-term or long-term? Long-term, you would say. Uh, move to Jupiter That's and be correct. Happy. That, that's obvious. But short-term. Get eight hours of sleep? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm on back-to-back -back nights of eight hours of sleep in the green on my whoop, no yeah, less. Yeah, hitting big numbers. Uh, yeah, I really am. Both like 90-plus percent recoveries. South Become story. a scratch golfer. Oh, okay. But it's kind of like dumb. Like there's not, like there's no... Oh, here's your $100,000 bonus check for becoming a scratch. It's like there's, there's, it's 100% self. Mm -hmm. It means nothing, really. And, and yet, alas, and for some guys, it's like, oh, God, I'm only a scratch. You know, those are the guys I'm usually gambling with. But that's my thing. But it stokes the internal motivational fire, which could spread to other ventures, professional ventures, 
personal ventures. Interesting. That, that, can, that, that part is that's a great that, observation. That, that can I be can't better. get into my fucking email. It's like I'm Iggy right now. <laughs> I'm trying to get into the QFTA folder. So if you have I'm a goal there. that you might see as frivolous or trivial, but it's stoking that internal motivational fire, that can translate to a number of different sectors. That's it. Yeah. So I, th- I think anybody stoking that internal motivational fire, whatever it is, is better for yourself than just kind of living haphazardly. What is your goal? I, I honestly have, you could tell me, you get 10 guesses and you get $100 if you get it right, and I don't think I could do it. I, because I'm not positive. I, that's what goals. I was about to say. I don't even know what the hell it is. And that's a question I need to ask myself. But I also am Are not, you motivated by money? I'm motivated by being comfortable where I don't have to worry about, like, you know, end of the month, am I going to be okay? But outside of that, it doesn't drive me, I would say. I'd say being happy, uh, being motivated to work. But then the question is, what makes you happy? What makes me happy is... And what makes you happy at 25 before being married with children will probably change whatever that time comes that you are married with children. Right, right. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm such in like a, uh, an interesting part of my life where I'm out of college. I'm now oh, it is. It is. It, it truly is. Yeah, working, uh, kind of setting up my next phase of life. So I don't know what will make me happy in that next phase, but I know the steps I want to take to get there. I know the steps that I want. I want to. Do you want to be doing a show in a decade? That's a big moment here in this show. A huge moment. There's so many variables to that that I. I well, to, to, then just talk, baby. This is QFTA. Everything goes. Not anything goes. Everything goes. If, if the show that I would do, the theoretical show I would do in 10 years, gives me the same motivation to get out of bed and enjoyment that this show and Balloon Party and QFTA does give me then yes i would love to do that because i love like i'm happy in my work life right now and it's something you really can't put a price on so yeah if i have that same motivation and and love for it that i do now then yeah i would i would like you're only 35 yeah you only be 35 i'm 57 (laughs) 57 yeah 57 57 is like you know but that's you know people doing great things well into their 60s and 70s so i understand but i mean i you know 57 57 when you're 25 and somebody's 57, you don't go, oh, that's my peer. No, you know? rarely. Yeah. 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 No, you don't. You see what I'm saying? Oh, I totally see what you're saying. And, uh, yeah, so on that question, if the show I would do, theoretically, would give me that same enjoyment that I do now, then yeah. But I would say that for any line of work. Okay. You know, not just show. I don't, like, have, like, the need to, like, espouse takes. Do you want to be a homeowner within the next three years? Three years? Yeah, I chose that number. Yes, because then I would be in, like, a a really good spot because right now it's so tough. But then then that would be, like, planting roots, and I don't know if I am in, you know, I don't know if I want to plant roots. I don't know. I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying I do. I just don't know. Hmm. I think you do want to. I feel like on this one I feel pretty strongly about my play here. I want to plant roots. I just don't know if it's necessarily in St. Louis. Oh my God! Three one four eight eight one TMA. Well, I just want to be open to other things. I don't want to ever pigeonhole myself. You know, I love being. Where would you want to go? Like win the lottery? Where am I moving? I'm moving to Northern California. Moving to Monterey. Okay. Pebble Beach area. Certainly understandable. That's you'll still catch hell for it, but it's fine. (laughs) That's where I would move. It's not even a question. Win the lottery today. I'm in. Pelican Have you spent a lot of time in that area? I went to San Francisco once, and I thought it was the greatest place on earth. Is that right? When were you in San Francisco? I was 10 or 11. 
We went for like a whole week. My mom was doing, uh, she was at the time doing travel reviews for the Post-Dispatch, which was the greatest thing for my adolescence because I got to go on these super cool trips and it wasn't like it was costing my family any money. My mom was doing it for work. So we got put up in a great hotel, like a week in San Francisco, we did every tourist and like smaller thing. And I thought it was the coolest. The weather is right up my alley where it never gets above like 75 and never gets below 50. Mm-hmm. It's right in my sweet spot. I love that area. I got to get out there again because I did spend a lot of time there in, in particular when I was doing television. But I've been there a few times since. And it struck me as like just the greatest. God, I guess I haven't been there since 2015 or 16. And the way it's talked about in 2023, but I don't know. I don't know if that's like a real thing or if that's like a dumb shit thing. I have friends in SF. They call it SF. They oh call wow! It San Fran. So unrelatable. They call Very it SF. I have friends there who are like, this narrative that keeps getting pushed is is lovely because it means more apartments are open and all this stuff. They're like, yeah, it's a major city. There's obviously homeless and it's in a nice weather area. There's homeless problems and there's crime just like every major metropolitan city but you know no one none of my friends who live out there are ever nervous about walking down the street with their friends all right i need to get out there and do my own reconnaissance mission uh turning your back on the city that's been so good to you smh that's from the neighborhood kid who is in the youtube chat and i think might be playing a character for the record yeah and i totally understand that but there is i i do see that and it's not in just that realm it's like this city that's done so much for you like this country has done from it's like well you know, people can do the things for themselves that you don't have to attribute the city or country you live in to their successes. Wow, already building your escape hatch. Very disappointing. No, not necessarily. I love St. Louis. I love St. Louis right now because I'm close to all my family. Like that's like that's the biggest thing of it all is I'm I'm close to all my family. Like the weather. I think if I felt and... my family didn't want me to move, that would be a different thing. Mm-hmm. But my dad now at uh, whatever 75 76 years old is so you got to do what makes you happy when you can because then you get to my age and you might be able to have the freedom to do it but you might not necessarily feel like you did when you were in your take your pick of whatever age range you would cite and so therefore if anything he encourages whatever the pursuit of happiness is right but yet i know that in this city i think like if, for example, let's say you grew up in San Francisco and you told your peers you were moving to St. Louis, what would the reaction be? Uh, how much are they paying you to leave? You know, like what's the, how much are you going to make in St. Louis? Because why else would you leave? Yeah, that, that would be, I mean, I think you could take that from any coastal or bigger city than St. Louis. That's not in the Midwest, like, because weather plays such a big part of that. Here, I'll, I'll make it more concise. Why? Yeah. That would be it. Yeah. If I go on TMA tomorrow and say this will be my last show, handing handing the keys to the car over to Jackson Burkett and Ken Strode and the Plowhawk and Doug and KG and O-Town, and I'm moving to Jupiter, it's been wonderful. What will the reaction be? Uh, hate, unlike <laughs> we've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, okay, we're on the same page with that. Yeah. 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 If you thought the wrestling recap could get some hate going. Holy hell. <laughs> yeah. So that, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Isn't that... It says something. Right. What does it say? I mean, it's, yeah, it's holding up the mirror to the the prestige of the of the city. But I think uh, your situation, that would 
bring in some other things. It'd be like, oh, you're leaving the boys high and dry and stuff like that. Even but I'm not. Of course not. Keep doing the show. Right. And, and, and now there's more money in the salary cap to play with. Well, I don't know if it would be. Yeah, I, just, I don't think it would be received as cavalier as you're, as you're describing. But why wouldn't there be happiness? So good. Tim did 20 well, think, years of the show. Well, I know there wouldn't be, but I'm just for the sake of Oh, Tim did 20 years of the show, and now he gets to go do what he wants to do, and the show continues on. I think there would be a healthy portion that would feel that way. Is that right? They might not be very vocal. <laughs> the vocal would be very not so, and I think the overwhelming majority would be not that. But I think there would be a, a portion that would be like, oh, good for him. You know, 20 years there would be a por- There would be a portion. Yeah, for sure. Would it be the majority? No, but there's no real way to gauge that because the majority might not be vocal. I would agree with that part as well. Yeah. All right. We have uh, plenty of questions to uh, go through in my email that I didn't get to uh, last week, and I want to make sure that I get to this week. Uh, The program is brought to you by a series of wonderful sponsors here on the program, and that includes James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency online at carltoninsurance.com. Net. That's carltoninsurance.net, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net and work with the great James Carlton. 349 five-star reviews. That's right, 349 five-star reviews here on the uh, James Carlton Google page. Jackson, tell the people about uh, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He's a guy I work with. He's my financial advisor. I had a conversation with him about a month ago, and it was, tr- it was so refreshing because, you know, I, I feel like people don't want to talk about themselves sometimes. They want to talk about their situations, but it's really healthy to do so and talk with someone like Mark Hanna who can help you out with your finances, talk you through some strategies, maybe ease your worries on some things. It's really, really awesome. So I think the perfect way to start off the new year in 2024 is with a phone call with Mark Hanna. You're going to be really happy you did. I know I love having a guy like that in my corner. I think you're going to love having a guy like that in your corner. Well, Jackson, his number is 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. That's Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And also Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, official HVAC provider of TMA and the Tim McKernan Show podcast. I am a client. Doug is a client. Apparently, Ken Strode was a client for a brief respite. Yeah. They came out to his apartment complex and fixed the uh, heater, I guess, as he called it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's designairservice.com and, of course, Munganess, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota, and stlouisaccurate.com. It's Munganess, stlouisaccurate.com. Jamie Burkhardt. Clayton Patterson, Peter Munganest, and Ryan Cyberg in the service department. We cannot say enough good things about the official automotive provider of TMA and the Tim McKernan Show podcast. We are live on YouTube, and we welcome you to participate. Uh, Brad says, St. Louis is the worst. I am begging my wife to leave, but she stays for family, which I understand. Almost anywhere you go is better than St. Louis. That is from Brad. Only reason to stay in St. Louis is family for me. Otherwise, I am out of here. That's from the Hunchback of Von Castle. Jake Reynolds says, I'd move to San Diego or New York City if I could, but I absolutely love St. Louis and I would be happy to stay here the rest of my life. Um, let's see. Uh, now we got a question in here. I'm just scrolling up, Jackson. Uh, and then Jake Reynolds also says, Hi, Tim. Hi, Jackson. Thanks for everything y'all do to keep this stupid show going. I enjoy it every day. Thank you, Jake. That's very kind of you. Hunchback of On Castle says, Tim, you've talked about expanding TMA's social media presence. Have you considered adding interns for that purpose? Seems like a way to help TMA and provide an opportunity for others. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'm not in charge. 
And I know that that's very concise and it might come off as flippant, but I, it's not my call. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, if, 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 if management came to me and said, Hey, how would you like to do that? You know, I know, I know what I would recommend, but that isn't a conversation that, or it is. And it's like, well, we can bring in KG and O-Town, but we have this much when it comes to salary for TMA. So therefore somebody has to go, which essentially is the conversation. And I'm not authorizing hits, no. so therefore that is what we have. Uh, as far as interns go, I don't know what the deal with interns at Hubbard is. Because when I think about it, I don't see interns here. 101 had one this summer. But, yeah, I mean, but at KFNS, you know, I felt like there were interns everywhere. Right, yeah. So I, I wonder what that's about. I, I mean, there's got to be, there's, there's a, you know. There's got to be a clear reason for it. There's got to be a corporate guideline, I would have to think. Yeah, I have no idea on that, honestly. Um, what? I thought you owned TMA and all the decisions for it. Talk about breaking news. That's from Jake Reynolds, who I believe is being sarcastic, uh, because I know Jake is a loyal listener. I'd move out of St. Louis and move out west to Arizona or Nevada. I'm only here because I can't afford a house after uh, college. Uh, LOL. That's from Droid Effects, loyal balloon party. Big time. Listener, I think for most people, it's about family. Either the parents are here or the in-laws are here or kids start in school, which is kind of where I am. And then we like the school and then you go, okay, you know, and for Hubbard, they want their talent as of right now to be in the market where they're doing a show. So those are the factors that contribute. Um, You know, one of the things, and I, KFNS, it was a smart move, it was a shrewd move. By Dave Zobrist, uh, when I guess now it's been more than two years since we announced we were leaving there, and uh, as far as a compensation package goes, what he put on the table was, here's five-year deal, no-cut deal, and you can live in Jupiter and do the show. And I go, ooh, that, yeah, <laughs> well played, sir. I, t- I tip my cap because it wasn't about because really it's not. I mean. It, I, when people say it's not about money, then people roll their eyes. But for me, for real, dead serious, if you said you could make this and it's more, or you could make this and it's less, but you can live in warm weather year-round, I would take the less. Yeah. That's. Just, but I'm not saying everybody else should. I'm just telling you, for me, I just that's how I am. I hate sitting inside... For six, seven months of the year. That's just how I am. But again, so much of that is once you did the drug, and you've done the drug as well, and by that I mean you've been in yeah. at Florida Gulf Coast University for the winter, so you know, it's risky. I mean, I wouldn't mess with the drug. You know what I mean? Now yeah. that I know about the drug, and I'm like, oh, it's December 27th, and we're having dinner outside, and this is the greatest thing for us in the world. We love it. Some people don't. Some people want to be elsewhere. They love the seasons or they, you know, whatever reason. Yeah, that's, that's, that's where I am. And I know that's upset some people for whatever reason. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I wonder what that is. I'd like to psychoanalyze why that's upset some people. Now they're not usually the people who will come to me with it. It's usually like through back channels. Right. 
But I wonder what that psychoanalysis is. Is it a socioeconomic thing? Is it like, why are they always talking golf? When in reality, we don't really always talk golf, but golf is perceived as being something that wealthy people do. And then when you can't afford to play it and people are talking about playing it, it makes them envious. Is that at the core of it? Yeah, I think that's probably part of it. The other thing, like, was with golf specifically. I just like, like warm weather. It does. Like, it could be in fucking Louisiana for all I care, right. you know? Right, right. And I think that's important when you explain stuff like right. that. Because I know people are like, they do Jupiter get... wasn't associated with money when the Cardinals moved there, you know? I, maybe it is now. I don't know. I can tell you it should be because of how expensive it is. But right. I just like it because it's warm weather. Right. And that's the, that's the... If you say it like that, then it's like, well, it's not about... A socioeconomic thing. It's just about the weather. But I think there are some people who are like, oh, you think you're like better. It's like the Boston thing. Like, what are you better than me? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you think you're better than me? You're leaving town, which in most, if some people present it, like if someone presents it that way, they're like, I'm too good for St. Louis. Then it's like, all right, let's. Well, who the fuck would ever, like, I mean, God, do you think somebody, I'm sure somebody said that. Internally, I'm sure people think that. I don't know if they God, what a, say like, it. What a, what a gross thing, though. Right. And so that, that, like, to me would be like, like, that's, you should, ridicule somebody for thinking oh, that I just way. be like well, that's just like not my kind of guy right you know right like anybody who whatever right we're just all individuals but I will say this when I was um considering moving to New York City there were a few guys there uh who were from Missouri and they would ask when I went up there oh what's so-and-so up there and I'm like oh you know he's still doing this he's here and I think, yeah he's a guy who would never he would never leave St. Louis. Like that, that was the thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it wasn't about, you know, St. Louis's small time so much as comfortable. For example, I recall there was a pitcher on the Cardinals who probably could have had a big payday as a free agent. And some of his teammates are like, he doesn't have the balls to go to free agency. Mm-hmm. That it, I think it's that same kind of like, doesn't have the balls to leave the comfort zone of St. Louis. Like you're comfortable and, like, certain people who are more, I don't know what the right term would be, aggressive, hustlers, whatever. But, see, I don't, in a way, I envy the comfortable. Yeah. As I've said multiple times on this podcast, it's probably not a pleasant way to go through life always wanting more. I envy the comfortable. Now, maybe the comfortable envy me. Oh, I'm sure that, yeah. Okay, it's, it's I don't grass, know. Grass is greener on the other uh, side. Yeah, I, mean, I don't I think, know. I think this discussion, the grass is greener argument or the counterpoint, is a big part of it. You know, I think people have this, like, desire to leave St. Louis, and they think when they leave and go to wherever that they're going to finally be happy, but it wasn't about location. It was about situation, and I think that's so much of it. You know, if you are happier in Jupiter and you like your situation better, you know, that's, that is a huge part of it. Location is just a byproduct. December 2020 to June of 2021, the happiest I've been in my life without question. And that happens to correlate with the six months that we spent down there. Yeah. There was a picture on my nightstand of me and at the time, I guess he was my three-year-old, walking out of our backyard, walking across to go fishing. And Anna Marie just happened to take the picture. And I keep that picture there, number one, because I know how happy I was. Mm-hmm. And we never caught a fucking fish. And my son <laughs> truly said, why aren't there fish in Florida? And if there's one thing that Florida's known for, it's, it's lack of fish. None. Thank you. None. Just like there's two periods on weekdays at Blues Game. That's correct. These are rules that people are <laughs> becoming familiar with. But also it's my motivation. Right. It's the same reason why, here, I'll open this up. 
What do you see right here, Jackson, on my desktop that's saved? You see that? Uh, that is a, looks like an offer sheet of some sort from SNY. That's right, and it's saved on my desktop, and it's not a coincidence because it's used as motivation. But that's how fucking strange I am. That's something that's 16 years old. The other picture's almost three years old right now. I don't, it's like, I need to get back there. That's what my motivation is. And then, and, and honestly, I, as I say it, I'm like, some people might like, oh, that's fucking great. Some people might, that's fucking sad. In a way, I'm kind of like, that's fucking sad because I'm not there. And it's like, well, then you're not happy where you are. And it's not that I'm not happy. I just know I was happier. Right. That's the other thing, too. Right. It's like in a perfect world, you know, in ideally, but you can always make the best out of any situation, you know, like you can be happy. Anywhere. But you can't control the weather, and therefore, if your happiness is tied to being yeah. in sunlight, yeah. which actually is there, you know, there is a biochemical reality oh, of yeah. that. Big time. Uh, that, you know, that's the thing. So it's a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, totally understand that. Like, if, if, if they came in here and said, hey, we're going to pay you X percentage less your new contract, but if you want, you can move... And do the show remotely. You need to come up here once a month to meet and whatever. I would just grab, let's grab the pen. I don't even know if I'd have the attorney or the agent review it. <laughs> I go, that'll do it. Yeah, I'll do it, Steve. And by the way, I'll be living in, I don't know if I'd be living in poverty, but I wouldn't be. It's a different set of circumstances, oh, yeah. you know, as far as cost of living goes. Uh, let's see. You can very much be in the moment, but still strive for more. It's a tricky balance sometimes. That's yeah. from Al in Dadeville. Yeah, that, 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 that sums up where I actually am yeah, because I am so grateful and I don't know what the right term in love sounds like something like somebody who you know gets you know but truly like I love being a father I love being a father but if when if I were 25 for me not for everybody me at 25 arrested development pervert I, that would have been it would have been grotesque to me wouldn't have been ready would have been a shitty father mm-hmm. wouldn't have wanted it plenty of people way mature enough to be a father at 25 I wasn't one of those people so now I can't get enough of it like when my son has these fucking ridiculous skate times on the weekends I, I look forward to it yeah he scored a goal on Sunday and let me these aren't like works of art you know these aren't like Cairo through the legs and then, you know, some kind of dangle, you know, I mean, it's just like, you know, it's a puck going two miles an hour. <laughs> and I take that over me having an albatross on a hole. You right. know what I mean? Right. It's just a different state of sure. living, yeah, but I prefer it. I think for some people, selfish assholes, me being one of those, being a parent makes you a better human being. It's wonderful, however, if you're already, like yourself, a really good human being, you'll just wind up even being a better one and then a great parent. Yeah, I hope That's, so. Oh, there's, hope. Not, there's not a doubt in my mind. There's not a doubt in my mind. Jackson, if you want to move, do it before your kids start kindergarten. I don't think I can now break my daughter's heart taking her from her friends. I'd like to leave, but I'm now stuck for 18 years. That's from the Hunchback of Vaughn Castle. Yeah, I got some time. I got some time there, so... Well, you start kindergarten at six. I don't even have. Right. And kindergarten, of course, being the magic year, first grade, it's over. (laughs) 
Right. Uh, trying to find the motivation for that edge and drive again has been a challenge with a five and three year old so damn tired. That's from the Crestwood Coyote. That gets to something with regard to TMA and its its ability to exist, which is had I had my children at thirty or thirty five, TMA would not still exist. Right. Because I wouldn't have had the latitude to take the chance that I took, mm-hmm. which wasn't like some huge, I guess maybe it was, but I didn't think of it as being a huge chance. But that speaks more to my ignorance than anything else. Because I did put my house up right. in order for the show to continue. Right. If you had kids, there's no way. I wouldn't have done it. But I probably would have had a better understanding of things. Like my financial um, competence, because I certainly wouldn't say expertise at all. It's still embarrassing. My financial competence is more of a byproduct of being a father. In other words, if we wouldn't have had children, which is what we were told, we would not be able to have children. Um, if we wouldn't have had children, I probably still would be going to Las Vegas all the time, playing right. poker all the time, and just like, oh, I made this this month. We'll spend this this month, which is what I was doing up until around 2017 when my son was born. So yeah. it forced me to get wise and think beyond, you know, boy, I sure hope I can, you know, finish the final table of this $600 <laughs> buy-in at the Venetian, you know, which is what the mindset was not that many years ago. Uh, let's see what we got. Uh, being single in 25 has been the greatest time of my life. Droid Effects is single in 25. Oh, wow. How about that? Young cat. Young cat. Young like 101 that. ESPN listener. like that a lot. Look at that. Alan Dadeville, I feel that, Tim. Being a parent, two-year-old daughter and second daughter is here in a month has absolutely made me a better person. That's from Alan Dadeville. Uh, I pull out of everything all the time, so no kids for your boy. That's from Manchild, 79. Yep. Effective strategy. How many children do you want to have? Two. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you actually thought through this. Two. Two, would, I think, would be money, but, you know, things will change. Maybe maybe three, maybe four, maybe one. Who knows? No. You know, I, two, ideally. That's, uh, and you have two siblings, correct? I have two siblings. I have an older brother and older sister, so... But yeah, there think, is a big age gap. Yeah, sister's 12 years older than me, and my brother is 10 years older than me. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm in a different situation because they're technically, technically my half-brother and sister, but we don't view them, I don't view them like that. They're just my brother and sister. As my dad always says, you don't love them half as much. And I said, couldn't agree more, Pop. But I kind of yeah. lived like an only child kind of lifestyle because my brother and sister were out of the house when I was very young. Yeah. And so I kind of got that, but I also had my brother and sister to lean on and talk to, and who probably like absolutely can't get enough of you. They, yeah, they're my 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 sister, my little sister's twelve years older than me. She's like a second mother, and she was. She would babysit me all the time and stuff. So, yeah, so I kind of got the best of both worlds, living kind of like an only child, but had my brother and sister who both lived with us at one point. And are uh, oftentimes at TMA events. Yeah, uh, my brother hasn't. My brother was at the Hit and Giggle. Yeah. Uh, my sister has been at a number of TMA lives. My parents are always there supporting. So they are. They were just them. at the year end awards. They were. They're great. Saw them. They really are great people. Great. Uh, I got this question. Here's the thing. I got a bunch of questions, and and sometimes I just my honest answer is I don't I don't know. But I at the same time I feel like there's merit in saying I don't know. I don't know. That's how I feel. It's the honest answer. I've seen this story. I don't know a whole lot about it, but I've been asked about it. And this this was, and this isn't a shot at the other emails. This one kind of is the one that I think is the, the best one to read about it. Tim, given your various experiences and misadventures with management and ownership groups during your radio career, I'm curious uh, as to hear your opinion 
if you're not in a position to share, on what's been going on at KDHX over the past several months. Are you familiar with the story? I'm familiar with it, but not like intrinsically following all that's going on. Uh, KDHX has been a beloved institution in the city for my entire life with a proven track record of keeping listeners and, more importantly, donors engaged. But since the initial wave of volunteers either being fired or resigning, every PR move by KDX management, KDHX management is more head-scratching than whatever was happening over at the man and the woman, especially considering the culture impact KDH, KDHX has in St. Louis music and radio. The whole thing has been a huge bummer because unlike TMA, where I could care less about the success of the station, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that 105.7 HD2 is... Maybe, though. Thank you. Uh, about the success of the station, as long as your show stayed on the air... I love KDHX as a whole and hate to see misguided and incompetent managers tear it to pieces. If you're not a KDHX listener, aren't familiar enough with the situation, or feel uncomfortable sharing your opinion due to radio industry omerta, I understand if you dismiss this email. However, I would look forward to hearing you opine on this topic given your unique relationship with radio in this market over your career. Best regards. Prefer to remain anonymous. Text handle is Lee Norwood. There you go. Uh, I'm familiar with it, but I'm not real familiar with it, and I don't know what the business model of it is. I think in general, one of the things that I have found, and this is a way of answering it, but not really answering it, but not not answering it because I'm trying to keep secrets because, again, I don't know about the details of it, is I think what happens with the audience, and this is why I like talking about the sponsor thing, and it's wound up working out, too. In other words, explaining and explaining doesn't sound cool, but like just being, here's the deal. Here's how this business works. Hence the support the sponsors thing right. is people become fans of personalities or shows, but unless those personalities or shows are bringing in more than they cost and also, I shall add, bringing in more than somebody who is out there and available could bring in and would cost, then they, just like any other business, are fireable. But I don't know what the, I don't know the model at that station. I don't know if it's public. I don't know if it's advertising fueled. So I'm speaking from a complete place of ignorance, but is a broad topic because this happens and I've seen it happen. How in the fuck did they fire so-and-so? But then it's kind of like, you know, if you go, why'd the Cardinals part ways with this player? Why'd the Blues send Verona down? You know, you can go look at the numbers. Yeah. We have the numbers. We have the numbers. Mm-hmm. And the numbers aren't ratings, and the numbers aren't downloads. The numbers are dollars. And we have them. And I, I can speak to my own management Never was somebody parted ways with if they were bringing in dollars mm-hmm. over a period of time where you have a sample size. If they were, it's because they weren't. The tough thing with that is I guess it would be embarrassing for people to then go, well, here, I mean, look, here is, here is the show. Here is the time slot. Here are the advertisers. And here is the spend. That's proprietary information. You can't share that. But right. that that 
that's how the decisions are made. I prom. I mean, that's that's the so this whole thing becomes. Oh, they got fucked. But then if if you see somebody with a seven ERA and they were DFA, you wouldn't say well, that guy got fucked. You might like them, but you might go you know, yeah, seven ERA. Right. So the equivalent of a seven ERA in our business is bringing in no money. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I don't know why. I think the reason I got that is because I had to start doing it out of necessity. And then I felt the right way to handle that conversation was to have the conversation Mm -hmm. with everybody, not just the guys on TMA, but also when we would have stations and say, hey, this is the name of the game. And if you bring in X number of dollars, you're going to be good. I don't really give a fuck what you what you say as long as you're not, you know, causing problems or, or how you're, you know, just the job is to bring in money. That's It's like you're a salesperson, except you're doing a show. And I don't think that that is usually discussed. It's like death. I think it'd be healthier to talk about it. It's like fucking. I think it'd be healthier to talk about it. It's like religion. I think it'd be healthier to talk about it. It's like politics. I think it'd be healthier to talk about it. But, for whatever reason, people don't talk about it. And so then people operate in bubbles of ignorance that match their preconceived notions. Well, on this, since it is something that I have uh, intellectual property ownership of, not operations control of, which is different, um, yeah, the name of the game for the audience is supporting the sponsor. So if you love the show, make sure you support the advertisers, period. And that is why you see and hear, I guess, the advertisers you hear, many of whom have been on the show for a number of years. Uh, That's it period. There's nothing else to it. So, um, I don't know what the situation was at that station, but I just know from over the years when somebody would be let go and the audience reaction would every time be, man, they got fucked. And then I remember I've had a couple that I had to part ways with go, yeah, people have asked me if I'm mad at you. And I go, mad at me, (laughs) mad at me. You told me you had X number of, and then you gave me the list, and then you got a show, and none of them were on the show. Right. That's it. And they'd be, and you'd be mad at me. <laughs> you you asked that question with a straight face too. That's fucking amazing. Your lack of self awareness means you're perfect for radio. <laughs> but unfortunately, your lack of dollars means you're more cut out to broker time on the weekends. Yeah. All due respect. All due respect. That's the uh, that's the reality. So that model may have absolutely nothing to do with KDHX. I have no idea. I am familiar with the story. I'm a Donnybrook guy, and they've talked about it. But uh, as far as specific KDHX in that question, I don't know. You obviously don't either. So um, we'd we'd be swimming out of our depths. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Uh, let me go into the YouTube chat and see what's uh, being talked about there. They're talking about number of children. Um, let me go into our design, air, heating, and cooling. Oh, I call it design, air, heating, cooling. It's just my, it's just my personal <laughs> inbox. Awesome memory. Yeah. Um, Tim, 
Hearing about the growth of SoundStory and your expansion into other markets, it's clear that you have substantial investment capital behind you and are operating another successful business. Ring the gong. I appreciate that. I just want to edit on the fly. Just because we are doing it doesn't mean that it's successful. So since this is not parties in the park, since this is not happy hour at Napoli, since this isn't the patio at Napoli, for full transparency, it's a startup. And certainly there are a number of people who believe in the business, otherwise they wouldn't have invested, and we have been able to find some good people to be associated with the business. Um, that doesn't mean that I am in the end zone. Mm-hmm. I, I would say I'm on the, my own one-yard line. That's what I would say. Um, but I'm, I mean, you know the people because Peter Rep is in here, and you've met Mark Montavani, and, you know, I guess everybody who listens knows that Joe Buck is involved. So we have some really good people in addition to other investors who aren't necessarily public figures and uh, didn't just take money from anybody. I wanted it to be a, a group of people, you know, at least for the seed round of funding, um, to not necessarily just take any dollar. And we cut it off at a point. But just because we have a startup doesn't mean we have a success. So, and again, maybe that's semantics, but for those who have, you know, raised capital, you know there's a difference between investment capital and actual success. I would say TMA at this point would be considered a success. Sound story is still more in the startup phase. With that said, I appreciate the uh, sentiment. Given this success, you've already heard my thoughts on that part, I wanted to get your perspective on, for lack of a better term, taking the entrepreneurial leap. I'm in my early 30s making good money in a well-respected career and have no kids and no debt, but I really don't enjoy my job or profession in general and often fantasize about leaving everything behind to take a stab at running my own business. Uh, PSA to the listeners, don't go to law school. How about that? Mm. Have you heard that from your peers who would be in the midst of law school right now? I'm trying to think if I have any peers. Sweet, sweet Kai is at Harvard Law. Uh, Counselor isn't what he wants to do. Uh, I don't think I have people I know who've done law school, uh, and I've gotten mixed reviews on it, but not know well enough to give you a full review on that. Okay. Um, within the last few months, I was approached by a friend with a business opportunity. It's something that would be very much, would very much remain a side hustle on nights and weekends for the foreseeable future. But I'm cautiously optimistic there could be real opportunity here. That said, I also wonder if I'm crazy for thinking about leaving behind a steady income, insurance, 401k, etc., to risk my own time and money on a business venture that could be great but also could fail spectacularly. I know you've talked about the history of Inside STL on the podcast and on TMA, but I wanted to get your perspective on this. What was your mindset when starting Inside STL and your other business ventures? Was starting your own business always part of your plan? In your opinion, what do you think makes a successful small business slash entrepreneur? Well, this guy's coming with it here. Currently, there is an entire cottage industry of social media entrepreneurs. Yes, there is. I'd like to see the balance sheets on those, though. (laughs) You know, anybody can create an Instagram account and talk about how well they're doing. And then these guys who, like, scream at you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, if you aren't driving a Maserati and making 400K a year by your 23rd birthday, you are fucked. 400K a month. Uh, yeah, it is. What? Well, that's the cottage industry I am fascinated by. If, if I were to do a documentary, I'd actually do it on the guys who are yelling at you on social media about being a pussy and not making <laughs> enough money. Oh, my God. I mean, that is like, I look at that and I go, I, I, I get that there are, you know, charlatans. I get that. That's been going on, you know, yeah. for thousands of years. 
but we've got a new industry of people believing people that I look at and I go, why the fuck are you believing this motherfucker? Can you not tell how full of shit he is? Right, right. Whether it be people people vote for or people people like, you know, send money or listen to the podcast. And I go, do you not real like this is guy's obviously full of shit. It's an unbelievable thing. Yeah. There's some real estate guy who's in a war with Jordan Belfort, i.e. the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I think I've seen. If you see that, like I mean, that. And, just, and I just look at it and go, are we really? Are we really? Is this really? A couple guys who <laughs> certainly one who's been famously known for being full of shit. <laughs> Uh, anyway, to get back to the gentleman's email, currently there is a, there is an entire cottage industry of social media, quote unquote, entrepreneurs who tout the benefits of leaving the corporate world behind and getting rich on your own. But obviously there's a huge element of survivorship bias where you only hear about the successful businesses and not the failures. How did you know that something like SoundStory was not just a good idea, but scalable and would attract investors? Uh, and lastly, at what point did you consider outside investors and therefore giving up equity? Why this guy... This isn't just like a this this this, this guy. I tip my cap. Uh, please don't use my name. Um, his first name is Matt. So anyway, all right. A uh, lot of stuff there. Jackson, do you think you are an entrepreneur? I th- I don't know. I don't know. Uh, certainly not currently. Do I have the spirit? I guess you kind of have to have the idea first. And then the spirit comes after. God, I don't know. That's a good question in and of itself right there. Because I feel like if you had the idea and then you got the spirit after that, that might be more of a reflection on your confidence in the idea more so than your own personal entrepreneurial spirit. If you have just the idea of, like, I want to be my own boss, and then you're fishing for something, I, don't, I actually don't think that Yeah. That, I don't think that's a great idea because then you're going to be convincing yourself that your idea is great because you have this entrepreneurial spirit as opposed to the other option I presented where you feel this idea so strongly, you know, so I feel like it should be that cause and effect. It should be the idea first. That's interesting. I like that thought process too. Yeah. I never viewed myself as an entrepreneur, which, which kind of conflicts with what, uh, this gentleman wrote. Um, I was an entrepreneur out of boredom, really, mm-hmm. honestly, inside STL, which he asks about, I mean, if I could go back, oh, my God, the things I know now, oh, and what I could have slash would have done in 2005 when I started that, when I bought that domain, I mean, on, and I've, I know I've talked about it on QFTA before, maybe a little bit on TMA, like I'm, I mean, it's everything's worked out, but I'm embarrassed by it because they're just so dumb, like the mistakes. But then at the same time, I suppose that shows awareness, growth, but it also, again, as I know I've said to you, I mean, when I started Inside STL, I was older than you are now by four years. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was 2005. I wasn't 30 yet, but I was right there. And just like, just basic, basic shit. And also, I only started it because I had a one-year non-compete from getting back into television. And I was going to start working at Channel 2 working with Martin Kilcoin at the time on the morning grind and, but I had a one year non-compete. And so I left KMOV in February of 05 and then just played golf and poker for a few months, which I know, I know when people hear that they had to go, that had to be the greatest fucking thing ever. And it was, it truly was, it was, but after a while you get bored. Yeah. Yeah. Because your buddies aren't done at 10 o'clock. Yeah. 
you know? Oh, yeah. And so then I get home and I, my sleep was all fucked up still. It went on for another few years of my sleep. So I'd come home and then I'd take a nap. And then I'd get up. Yeah, here you go. Here's some behind the scenes. This is how great it was. And I would cook a frozen pizza at like one or two in the afternoon. Nice. Because my wife was working. Uh-huh. And then I'd get on Poker Stars. It was still around because the government that wants to have less government didn't decide for more government with this particular social issue. Uh, that's always they seen. That's when, that's when the, the rules about less government change is when it's social issues. I don't understand that. It doesn't seem consistent to me. But either way, uh, then they shut down the ability to play online poker in 2011. But you could play on Poker Stars in 2005. I would lose my ass thousands and thousands of dollars over 2004 to 2000 through 2007. I don't know the exact amount, but, and, and, and listen, I made a nice living, not, you know, but not like crazy. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was bad. I didn't realize how bad it was. I didn't realize how bad at poker I was because there were a couple times where I would you know, the poker term at the time, I doubt they use it now, is luck box my way into, like, a high finish. That's, like, the worst thing. It's like a, like a shitty gambler hitting a parlay and going, oh, see? Right. Well, you shouldn't be playing a fucking parlay anyway, much much less. That's what I always say to my buddies. <laughs> You're, You're right. like, oh, I lost this parlay. It's like, you already lost. You right. placed a parlay. Exactly right. You're a mark. Yeah. So then I, you know, so then, then, then it's just like, okay, all right, then I guess I'm right around the corner. Right. And I didn't realize it's just basic things about the game. False sense of confidence. Oh my God. Which is like perfect. It almost makes me wonder if like they're behind the scenes, like let's let this motherfucker win one time. You know? I always see when these, when these sports books, they always post like the person who pays like a $5 bet. On oh, these absolutely. Anytime touchdown. Absolutely. It's one. like when then DraftKings and FanDuel are doing all the spots when they first started up yeah. and like show some fat fuck who won a million dollars, you know, right. by playing like an all St. Louis Rams lineup that happened right. to go off that weekend. They'll make so much more money off people Absolutely. copying that. That's that. the key. Yeah. That's the key. So lose. anyway, that's what I did. And it was great. But then it was, I'm like, I'm bored out of my mind. And then there's this thing, and I want to say this little thing in the back of my head. It was just obvious that the morning grind had a following. And it's not like they were telling us it did. We could just tell because the show started in July of 04 and now it's July of 05, and we could tell that, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily the following that it is now. Not to say that this is some monster now, but it just, it, it, you could just tell that there was momentum. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Jim Rome and Rush Limbaugh, you know, peas in a pod, but they both had, I think Rome had JimRome.com and Rush Limbaugh had RushLimbaugh.com. And what they would do is they would take the content from their shows and then put it on their websites, what we now call podcasting. Right. Right. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. And so I take my shitty Dell laptop that I would lose thousands of dollars over the course of a year playing poker on. And I don't even know if I asked the people who ran KFNS. And don't get me wrong, they were, you know, not our favorite. But also, if you were ranking ownership we dealt with, probably our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and the way we would request, we, I, you know, here's Martin and the cat. They don't get a piece of any of it. Or producer Joe or Stedman. Just me. Just fuck off. I don't own it. <laughs> I mean, really. Like, I look back on this. Like, what a fucking asshole. It was kind of the wild, wild west. It was, but still. Uncharted territory. And then I take it, and the way you would record it is, and I can probably show it since we're on YouTube, but I know, you know everybody will listen to this, and they won't be a handful of people watching on YouTube. You would plug in a jack that doesn't even exist on my MacBook and connect it to the headphone jack. 
That's crazy. And then you would record the audio. And then I would send it to Matt Seebeck, who was my partner on InsideSTL.com. We were 50-50 out of the gate. He built the website. I bought the domain, I think, for $14.95. And and then Seebeck would upload it. Or maybe I got to a point where I understood how to upload it. I remember there was, like, names for these things that are very fucking basic, by the way. <laughs> but I didn't. I'd never heard of the name. It's like server, <laughs> yeah. but there was a FTP. I think it was FTP. Or press, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, it was just. Uh, but anyway, and then it started gaining some momentum, and then I also recall along with the lines of that, and I was going to call it the morning grind because that's what it was, the morninggrind.com. But I, I, but I'm like, I want it to be bigger than the. That was the one thing I guess I'll give myself credit for. I'm like. The morninggrind.com limits us. I want it to be bigger than that. And so I said I needed something. I think it was my brother Kevin, who was thanked at the end of every TMA, who I believe it was either him or this girl who's a friend of my wife's. And, they, and I think they both kind of disputed to this day that they had it first. And I can picture it was a Greenbrier at a wedding where she claimed she said it. And my brother, I don't know where he said it. He didn't really give a fuck. But either way, InsideSTL.com. Yep. And I'm like, oh, let me see if that's available. It was on GoDaddy, and I bought it. But then I also had the thought process, everybody goes to those magazines back in the day, and I don't know if they're still around now, uh, St. Louis Magazine, Alive Magazine, Ladue News, the pictures of people, and basically wanted to see who was hot and who you wanted to fuck. I mean, if we're going to be real straightforward about it. Right. And I'm like, well, that's great, but they can only publish it once a month or once a week. We can go out to bars and take pictures of people do the exact same thing and then put it up on InsideSTL.com. Yep. So we did that, and that's what really drove people to it. And then I would participate on some message boards, which sounds like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you would write, too, wouldn't you? Weren't you doing writing? Uh, yeah, but that was, I just, I'm like, I, so the, the message board, so I'm like, I'll create a message board. Mm. <laughs> that's a putt we'd like to have back. Yeah, but would you not agree that it was a, a big part of its early traffic was the message board? Uh, there is a parallel to the TMA fan page with the Inside STL message board. And I understand it, and I don't fault those who are active on back on the day in that one and currently on that one. And the mistake that they made, and then potentially the mistake that those of us involved with the show would make, is that that is everybody who listens mm -hmm. to the show. Mm -hmm. When in reality, the math, and now we actually know the math, yeah to an extent on the TMA listeners, I still don't know the math on the morning grind listeners. It's a, it's a sliver. It doesn't mean you disregard it, Yeah. but I've, I've recalled a program director in St. Louis, actually not here uh, for the record, but said that show lost its way when it only cared about its P one listeners mm -hmm. and P ones are the like vocal, yeah. you know, yep. it, it, it lost its mass appeal and it lost its way. You, you can't do that. And so then, you know, at that time, not having children and being in my 20s, I get caught up in that shit. It can ruin, like, I can read something now, as we've talked about, and it's just like, okay. I mean, you and I do it from 10 to 11 every day, and it's just like, ah. You know, if anything, it's like, it's kind of like a joke, even though they don't realize it's a joke. It's a joke. You know, I realize most likely there are some things that are not going well there, you know. But back then, you don't have that sure. presence of mind. And... Then you spend time arguing with somebody who's anonymous, and you—they know who you are, and you waste your fucking time. Yeah, losing battle. And then I would write, and I—the I, only thing I knew—and this came from being a subscriber to pornography websites—that the key was you had to have something new every day. Mm, 
Yeah. I'm dead serious. Yeah. I don't know what porn site it was, but I'm like, if they don't have something new every day, then I'm not going to pay for it. Yep. So I got to write every day. And I did that, man, for, I don't know, maybe a decade. I made no money. No money. And I'm not saying, like, like I, I, don't, I look back on it and I just go, what a waste of time. But it wasn't a waste of time. The waste of time was that I never came up with a strategy to monetize it. That is, That was the original sin of Inside STL. Now, Inside STL still exists, but it really is a holding company for the intellectual property of this podcast and for TMA. But it really isn't, there's no revenue generation. It just exists, and I pay an accountant to, to do the tax return that my still my partners laugh about every <laughs> whatever month they get it every year yeah. because it's like, yeah, it lost $2,000 this year. Oh, it lost $2,000 last year, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just this because it's a holding company for the IP. Right. And, I, and someday I'd love for them to make a bunch of money for it, but for right now it's why we're able every time we bounce from station to station to have the stuff with us. So it has value. Strange. It just morphed from what it was to – so therefore I do not view myself as a smart or savvy business person. I think I'm viewed that way in the St. Louis sports talk radio world – because comparatively speaking to others in the industry, in this little industry, I may look like it. Mm-hmm. But you put me up against, like, a real business person, and I'm in the back of the classroom just sure. trying to keep up. Yeah, I heard you say that. So, you know, I appreciate it, but I'm not even I'm deep down. It's not deep down. Here it is. I am not. What I would say is... Once you get a little taste of being your own boss, I talked about being the happiest I've ever been personally that, that six months from December 2020 to June 2021 when I was down there with my family. Um, just it was the I, mean, it was the, I mean, I still look at that and it's like I want that back. That's, that's, that's the fucking, that's like the person who does coke and falls in love with it and just now they're always chasing that high. That's right. me now and it's a motherfucker. Um, the thing that I would say about career-wise, the happiest I ever was career-wise probably was 2015. Now, I wasn't making as much money, mm-hmm. but things were, things were going well at 920. You know, the show was going well. We didn't really answer to anybody. Burt Kaufman, may he rest in peace, owned the station, but we were buying the airtime from a Monday through Friday and we had a we had a sales situation going where we were turning a profit, not a huge profit, but it allowed us to pay Bert for the airtime. A lot of money. People knew the number. Not just this isn't like a fucking brag. It's just they'd be really surprised by how much it cost, which is why we eventually left. Mm-hmm. Um, because we initially started off at X, um, and by the time that was 2013, and by the time the deal. He redid it and increased it, and that's fine, but it, he, he hurt himself doing that. Um, it was almost 2x oh, per month. Wow. And I always viewed him as a super smart guy, but he made one little mistake in the moment he made it, and I, and I spotted it in the deal, and I'm like, this is, this is, uh, this is how this is going to end, and I already know it before it even ends. And it wasn't the dollar figure. I just knew that that dollar figure meant I'm going to leave you don't know I'm going to leave. And I also know nobody in this market is going to be able to pay you, be able to, certainly plenty of people could pay it, would mm. pay you this much money for this airtime. And that station never gained the traction that it had from the time that we were there. I don't say that as like a dunking on him thing. It's That's just the yeah, math. Yeah. 
of what it was. But truly, and it's one of the things a cat would say often, you know, it's like, why did we have to leave there? And I'm like, well, you don't understand it because you weren't, you know, writing the checks, but it's because, because then that's, that opened up the door to, you know, a, the dark ages. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was cost prohibitive. Mm. We, if he would have just kept it, like if it's like, okay, a 10% increase, but I mean, it was full on out two X. It was not sustainable. God, if it would have just, and I didn't, and I look back on it and he was always trying to get me to buy that station and he would fuck around with the price. And you know, me and my memory, I remember the exact dollar figure it was and he was older. And then we'd meet a couple weeks later and the price moved all over the place. And I'm like, but then one time, you know, I, I do keep receipts a lot of people don't know the receipts are kept. <laughs> That's when they're the most valuable. So then I let him. I let him do it. I let him bluff at the pot, and then I go. But Bert, these are your notes from our meeting two weeks ago, and the price was this. And as you can imagine, you know, at that moment, it's like, it was embarrassing. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not doing it to like, because it's like nobody knows. It's me and him at a table. Right. And broadcasting it. But it's like, hey man. Yeah. You know this negotiation isn't in good faith, I'm going to have to go. And so this, that's, you know, we were looking at 101, um, looking at Emmis, which was, you know, a bunch of stations, 105.7 The Point, Casey, um, and looking at uh, KFNS, where we wound up going. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if I could go back, oh, my God, I would never do what we did. But, we, but also it wasn't a choice, you know, it wasn't a choice. So that opened up the door to a tough five years without, without question. Yeah. And if, yeah, if I could go back, it wouldn't be something that I would want to go through again. So I, I tell these stories so people understand the downside, this gentleman in particular, uh, on the entrepreneurial thing. And then also how I don't necessarily view myself as a, as a, as a great entrepreneur. I became an entrepreneur out of necessity. So I can give you some broad pointers, I suppose, for lack of a better term. I don't like the term pointer, though. Um, a little wisdom, a little guidance. I suppose just from my mistakes. Yeah. Sometimes that's when the best yeah. guidance is, is bred out of. I don't know if it's necessarily number one, but it's certainly one that I would put as important. I think everybody knows, but maybe they don't. So maybe I'm saying the royal you. But you know instinctually when you're sitting across from a bad cat, mm -hmm. as my father would say. Mm -hmm. Keep the bad cats out of the business. It doesn't matter what kind of dollar figures the bad cats are bringing to the table because eventually somehow the bad cat will make your life a living hell. Right. Um, whether that be hiring the bad cat or going into business with the bad cat, you... It, it, it is, it is so important. Um, so I don't know if that's number one, but, and one that is just a, a life code thing, which I go back to so often, 
It's not just treat others how you want to be treated. Treat your employees how you would want to be treated. Yeah. As when you are an employee. Right. Holy shit. Right. It's almost like taking all of the things that your like worst managers or bosses right. did and like just doing the opposite. That's what it was. That's all that it was. And still, I I don't think that I was great because I would wear my heart on my sleeve. That's one of the things I know we talked about on one of the recent podcasts that I have like this admiration for John Kioski. So I'm sure there are days where he is just not having it or he's got pressure and he's able to walk around here and compartmentalize yeah compartmentalize it you know now granted i was in my 20s slash 30s but i look back on that scale 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 let's see jackson hold on a second here here here's my desktop again you saw the sny offer sheet i did i clicked on that icon it's a scale it's a food scale it's like we wait chicken breast on but yeah it's i think a scale. it is it does look like it's grams so maybe or you're just weighing white sure Take sure, your pick. Sure. But why do I have that on the desk? I mean, now you're seeing all my nerdy little things. <laughs> I didn't know that you had these relics. <laughs> but it's always to drive home. Yeah. Because I'm not saying, nor do I would I want to at all, for real. Dave Portnoy and I were starting out at about the same time. Now, definitely different personalities. Yeah. But a lot of that, I would imagine, has changed over the last decade more so than we're probably a hell of a lot more similar, like probably real similar in 2005. Why did he do that and why did I just do this? Because he didn't have a guaranteed paycheck. I did. Mm-hmm. And I had a guaranteed paycheck, whether it be from KFNS or eventually uh, 1380 when I had Inside STL. And you're not as hungry. Yep. You're not as hungry. Sure. Um, part of me wonders... For a moment of uh, just full-on transparency, if I'm holding Sound Story back by continuing to do TMA and Balloon Party, because I'm not all in, mm-hmm. and I don't need to be, I don't need to be. Yeah. Um, we've hired a general manager, but I'm exhausted by the time. And I know people say, you know, like specifically about Iggy, and Iggy's three hours are definitely different than my three hours. But it, it it's like if you said to a Somebody who played a game, he only worked two hours or three hours, but there is time on the business that goes, you know, unforeseen. I imagine most people know that, specifically, usually in some capacity with sales. Um, Or, I don't know if I would call it prep, but you do have to be aware. And for for us in St. Louis, as St. Louisans, we watch these games usually just because we want to. Mm-hmm. But that also does, if you don't want to watch the games, well, then you're going to come on the air and you're going to sound like an ass. Yeah. So I feel a responsibility to make sure I'm watching the games and then also reading the games and then you know, watching on YouTube now the sound from those games. So I'm equipped when I appear on TMA and, uh, and Balloon Party, and then I sit there and I go, okay, am I doing it again where I'm comfortable but will I look back in five or ten years and go, yeah, I didn't, quote, need to work. So maybe I should go, okay, fuck it. We're going all in. And that, I wonder, I do wonder about the, and not. I don't wonder about it because I have this uh, enlightenment. I wonder about it because I did it. Mm-hmm. I've already done it. Yeah. And then I go, okay, what if I would have, now I didn't have any money in 2005. So I didn't, wouldn't have freedom. But I didn't have any kids in 2005 either. Another key point. Yeah. yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, but I wonder about that. And so scale, if you have an idea, there's a good chance that it can work well beyond. One of the things that 
and I won't give the person's name, but said what happens in St. Louis with some people who have really developed some great products or ideas is they become lifestyle businesses. You can be comfortable in St. Louis, but if you would have gone to the next step, you could have had a wealth of it and, you know, gone global or taken it well beyond St. Louis throughout the United States or beyond or take your pick of wherever it goes and then you can work your ass off and then go, all right, now I shall sell it. You know, that's my three-year or my five-year exit. And St. Louis, because of the low cost of living and the low bar, relatively speaking, of number of people who do have a lot of money in St. Louis, um, it lends itself to comfort. Yeah. If you are, uh, to draw a parallel, if you are walking around Southern California or South Florida probably Dallas, you will probably notice a difference in BMIs. And part of that is because the weather is warmer. The other part of it is because people feel a societal pressure to keep up. And even if you're slightly overweight in that area, it will stand out more so than in other areas. And so in St. Louis, if everybody's kind of comfortable then you have few people charging the hill trying to become, if anything, I know I've talked about this before, like ambition shaming, like you, oh, you're driving a Mercedes. Who the fuck do you think you are, you know? Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, there are plenty of motherfuckers who shouldn't be driving Mercedes but are driving Mercedes because they want to have people thinking that way. So these are the things that now I can look back at 18 years ago and go, okay, what would I do differently and I had something in 2005 with Inside STL, and I don't feel like I came close to optimizing it at all. And that fault lies 100% with me. At the same time, I would not want to, in 2023, be doing what Dave Portnoy does. Right. And I, I, I don't even really follow it that closely, but it's like you got he's I think he's a little older than me or a little younger. Either way, we're right, 47. Right, right, he's right, close. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have, I have, I mean, I just, I have zero interest in that. But the shit that he did from 2005 to 2010 to 2015, I could have done that. Yeah. And I'm not saying I, anybody could have done it. I'm just saying I had the same hustle drive. I'm not saying I had the know-how, but I had the hustle and I had the drive. I just didn't have the, I didn't have the know-how actually, but I also was comfortable. He did, that was his job. Yeah. I was making, again, it wasn't ridiculous money, but it was nice. And therefore I'm comfortable. And oftentimes, the enemy of greatness is comfort. And so I would say that to somebody. Now, this, this gentleman is asking about the mindset to start up. He, and he talked about, okay, within the last few months, I was approached by a friend with a business opportunity. It's something that would be very much or would very much remain a side hustle on nights and weekends for the foreseeable future. But I'm cautiously optimistic there could be a real opportunity here. That's all I know about it. And right there, I would tell you it's a no. To me, it has to be either you are in or you are out, or the third option would be you raise capital or you put in your own money, if you can, to hire somebody who is in full-time. That was one of the things I learned from Inside STL. I was the GM. I was also hosting the morning grind. And then that also meant I was the one in charge of sales, and I didn't know how to do any of this shit. And that's why this time around with Sound Story, to, to get into to Sound Story, and the capital raise and so on with Sound Story, um, with Mark Montavani, who is our uh, board chairman, uh, he's like, 
there's no point in raising capital until we find the person to run the business. Until we find the person to run the business, there's no point. Mm-hmm. And so when we finally did, that's when we were able to go to investors and go through that process, which is a hell of a process. Um, arguments, not arguments, uh, polite back and forth would be the right way to do it. Negotiations, I suppose, over valuations and how you arrive at it. And now I'm going, you know, you're, yeah. you're asking for money bluntly right. on an idea with, you know, a track record, but not, you know, a huge track record. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a process and it's not something that is my strong suit because I hadn't done it. And I'm learning terms and I'm on calls where I'm, uh, clueless as to what attorneys and accountants are talking about, but yet I need to be on there because I'm the majority owner. So I'm incredibly glad that I have done it all while carrying along the perhaps most important part of, it's not even starting a business. I think just in a professional life, having people close to you whose opinions you respect and who are kind enough to give you time to give you their honest assessment and will tell you things you don't necessarily want to hear. And so if there's one thing that I feel like I've been good about, it's that, is surrounding myself with good people, getting away from the bad cats, and having people where, like Mark, for example, I don't think he'd mind me saying this, he will tell me, you know, if he thought my kid was ugly, he would say it. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, give me that shit all day long. That's what I like. Because I think that's kind of probably what I am. And so, therefore, I do that. But I realize doing that for some people, it's like, oh, well, he's not nice. And I'm like, to me, not nice is lying to you. You know, I can be polite and phony if you would like, all while, you know, slitting your throat when I walk away. But wouldn't you like to know where you are in the hand versus me jerking you off? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you want to be jerked off. And I respect that. I'm not anti-manual. No. I want you to know that. No, not on this podcast. Not on this podcast. It's a pro-hand job podcast. Might be the title. <laughs> I think we found the title. Yep. Uh, but that, to me, is the key, is surrounding yourself. So, you know, I... I and I don't know, I'm giving too much, but I was really careful with who I let into the, the group. I really was. That goes back to your first point about not letting into Yes, I really was. I mean, to, to think, and again, it's not like it's money that goes to me. It goes to the business. The money that I was turning down, and I'm still incredibly aware, I and mean, I, I don't want to make it sound like I grew up like under Bevo Mill or something like that, you know. <laughs> but I didn't, you know. Our, our different, our, not to say that you grew up on St. Louis Country Club's, you know, Seventh Fairway, you know, yeah. for the purpose of, but you know, we we grew up in different situations, no you know. And again, I'm not saying economic, but just you know. No, I get it. You went to school in Ladue, and I in St. Gabriel's. This is the different Ladue yeah. school district, different experiences. Now, once I went to St. Louis U High, then I started seeing some things. Sure. But St. Louis U High isn't just a bunch of rich kids at all. There's certainly some wealthy kids. For sure. But St. Louis U High's mission is to try to bring in you know, a diverse amount of economic backgrounds. Uh, that's the Jesuit mission. So, you know, I still have, I, I still, th- I still feel like I'm going to be broke as crazy as that might sound. I still think that way. Yeah. I still think that way. And it motivates me, which is insane. It's not healthy, but I still think that way. So I don't go shit. Now I've got this. I'm good. I go, fuck, I got to get more. Right. Not because I got to get a, fucking Benz, 
but because I'm just like, it's inevitably, that's, that's the way it's going to go. And I remember Burke Kaufman telling you, well, you're going to be you know, wealthy, Tim. And I go, the fuck makes you say that? You know, why would you say that? He goes, well, just look at how you work and the things that you've been I'm going, well, I appreciate you saying that, but I don't feel that way. Yeah. So it's an insecurity. It's not like an insecurity about being short or bald. It's an insecurity that's just rooted in feeling like inevitably it's going, the bottom will drop out. That's how I feel. And yeah. that's why I'm always looking to hustle. And I wish I wasn't that way. But if you are motivated like that, then you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. If you are comfortable getting a guaranteed paycheck, then don't fuck with it. And to me, when this gentleman writes, um, you know, the side hustle and it'd be a night and weekend thing, immediately, I don't even know what the business is. I obviously have no clue what the business model is or the plan. It isn't a winner. The winner is either you hire somebody and you raise capital to hire somebody or you put your own money in, then you really have skin in the game, um, or you leave your job and you do it. And I am from the school, Jackson, of I would rather regret the things I did than regret the things I didn't do. That's, that's what uh, I often hear. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yep. It's, it's what you regret what you didn't do, not what you did. Yeah. I was on the phone last week with my agent, who I hadn't talked to in a while, and it's not like he's actively representing me, but he occasionally hits me up with some things. And every time we talk, because he was my agent that got me the SNY job in New York City, and it's just like it's just a matter of time that it's going to come up, and he knows this. He might even listen to the podcast and will text me. Um, he goes, man, if you would have went to SNY, you'd be on the NFL today right now. And I'm like... And I'm like, hey, pre I, that's, 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 that's lovely. But I'm like, I don't think so. I just don't. And my reasoning is there's a certain look that they're looking for for the NFL today. And maybe if I would have gotten a hair transplant, maybe I would be on the NFL today. But I also don't go, damn it, I wish I was. I don't want, I didn't yeah, want it. Right. So when I was talking with my financial advisor last week about a couple of decisions, and he goes, well, it always just comes back to what you want. And I would ask this gentleman who emailed this in, what are, what are you motivated by? Yeah. And my answer to my financial advisor, who's a really good uh, golfer, I said, I want to beat you in stroke play someday. He's like a plus two. And, uh, and then I also want to be left alone. And he goes, well, then, therefore, you don't really want to be on the NFL today. I go, fuck no. <laughs> yeah. I have no interest in that. You'd have to do both. Yeah, I have no interest. I want to, I, am I left alone? I mean, I just, I just want to be like a, you know. Yeah. Like, nobody giving a fuck if I moved to Jupiter, Florida and yeah. sending me hate mail. Yeah. Like, oh, they just moved. Good for them. Yeah. Right. Like <laughs> anything else you hear when someone moves. Right. right. No, I get you know, that. I, and, and I just want to be able to play golf, and I want to raise my boys and spend time with my wife. That's, that's me. So that's where I am now. So then to me, being your own boss gives you a better path to get to that. Mm -hmm. But... You have to be wired a certain way, yeah. and not everybody's wired that way. And by the way, I think it might be more pleasant to go through life not being wired this way, not being wired that way. Like, I doubt you are an entrepreneur, and I don't say that as a criticism. I say that as a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know, like, from what you just said, that, like, the whole, like, you got to be in it all the way or not in it at all. It's yeah. something I don't personally want to commit to. You can do it now, but it's tough to do it when you're, you know— 
when you have kids in particular. Now, this gentleman made a point of saying he doesn't have kids, but I don't know. So yeah, so my mindset on starting Inside STL, I was bored and I was playing poker and golf. I mean, this isn't a great fucking story. (laughs) Uh, Was starting my own business always part of the plan? Absolutely not. Not even on my mind. I don't know if you would have asked me to define a P&L statement in 2005 if I could have done it. I had no idea. When I started the company... A guy goes, and a guy who's an accountant, he goes, well, you got to get an operating agreement. And I go, okay. Is that like like the the instruction manual? (laughs) I have no idea. Right. You know, now I can rattle these things off, although necessarily. I mean, it's just, but but the thing is, I also want to make this clear. Just because you may not know these, what would be considered by most people, very basic terms, that doesn't mean you will not be successful. Right. That's shit. There are lawyers and accountants who can handle that stuff. The things that can't be taught, the things that can't be hired, work ethic, how you treat people, and the idea, and how you execute it. There is a thing, one of my investors sends it to me. Part of me thinks he's almost subtweeting me. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) And it's Bill Gates doing an interview. Have I shown you this? Uh Uh-uh. Okay, I know I've shown Peter this. I almost want to play it right now. You know what? Maybe I will. Will the microphone pick it up? Uh, yeah, or I can in post. You can uh, just okay post production in there, um, like for real, because uh, this will this will be helpful to this person from an entrepreneurial standpoint. All right, I'm gonna play it, and for those watching live, hopefully it'll. It's the disease of thinking that a really great idea is ninety percent of the work, and that if you just tell your all these other people, you know, here's this great idea, then of course they can go off and make it happen. And the problem with that is, is that there's a, just a tremendous amount of craftsmanship in, in between a great idea and a great product. And as you evolve that great idea, it changes and grows. It never comes out like it starts because you learn a lot more as you get into the subtleties of it. And you also find there's tremendous trade-offs that you have to make. I mean, you know, there are, there are just certain things you you can't make electrons do. There are certain things you can't make plastic. He, he would call me up and say, Larry, let's get together. We, we saw each other a lot. You come over to my house. I'd go over to his house. I said, see, I'm not coming over if you make me watch Toy Story again. I've watched 73 different versions of Toy Story. Now, I know the new version of Render Man is 4% better than the one I saw last week, but I'm not watching this thing again. So, Larry, you, gotta see, you, you won't believe the, sh- the different the shadows look. <laughs> But that was Steve until it was perfect. And then once it was perfect, and then he moved on to the next problem. But working, working obsessively until he had a solution that was insanely great. There you go. Does that sound fun to you? No. Right. No. But that is... The great ones, and I'm talking about like the great ones. I'm not talking about the guy who's comfortable. It's like I'm Gordon Gecko and you're Bud Fox. I'm not talking about the guy making $400,000. I'm talking about liquid. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean by that. That, that is that. Right. And I go, God. But unfortunately, at 5 in the morning on Saturday mornings, I'm up and then I'm and I don't want that for I don't want that for my sons. Mm-hmm. I hope my sons don't get that shit. You know, and somebody who I like and respect like you, I don't want that for you. 
I've I've got that. I don't necessarily obviously have Steve Jobs money, <laughs> but I've got that thing, and I and I kind of am around people now who have that thing. And that, that I'm not saying you need to do that to be on your own. You can be on your own and be comfortable or make a nice living. But like if you're like I don't know what this business, might, but that's that's the thing. Now I am also stimulated. I am energized by being around people like that. But I also am able to take a step back and go, God, this isn't a real pleasant way to live. Yeah. It's tough to be a great husband, a great father, a great golfer, and a great entrepreneur because one of those things yeah, or two of those things or three of those things or maybe all four because you're spread yourself too thin will suffer. Yeah. So I love it and I recommend it and you hear a lot about it on social media in particular right now with the guys who will yell at you. Boy, will they ever. But sometimes you have a great idea and then there's a bad break, Yep. you know, yep. and it doesn't work out economically. Something happens, you know, geopolitically, something happens, you know, 2024, maybe it's going to be fucking nuts. People could have a great thing going. All of a sudden the bottom drops out, you know, plenty of people were doing well in 2006 and 2007 and then 2008 hit. Take your pick, whatever it was. Right. George W. Bush's presidency changed a hell of a lot from the morning of September 10th to the morning of September 11th. There are just things that are out of your control. So I don't necessarily judge someone um, through the lens of were they successful with the idea, but I will judge them if they have the balls to take the shot yeah. because right there you've got my respect. Mm -hmm. But for everybody, it's just not for everybody. Yeah. You know, I really feel strongly about that. So that's why... It's kind of like when, when, I, when I say a kid, but somebody who's around 20 will reach out or their parent or somebody they know, they're, hey, they're considering getting into broadcasting. And we get on the phone. And I know they hang up the phone and they go, holy fuck. This guy basically just told me that I'm going to be sodomized with a rusty bladed condom for the next 20 years. And if I'm lucky, I will survive it. It's not what they expect. Yeah. But I feel an obligation to tell people the truth. I just feel like that's the charge of the gig is to be honest with the audience and anything else, fuck off, you know? Right. I get that. Anyway, I got a lunch with my high school baseball coach who cut me. <laughs> that's another good title for a podcast, too. What is the title of this? Uh, Pro Handjob Podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan. People will listen to that and like we like talk about manual for half a second. <laughs> Oh my God! Uh, thank man. There's some really cool people in here. I, I, I'm just looking in the Jeff Wilson, who was like the original Inside STL nightlife photographer, is in here. Nice. I haven't seen him in forever. What a great guy, man! I'm telling you, there are a bunch of people who got that thing from where it was to to where it went, and he is absolutely one of them. Uh, you're also cuter, relatively speaking, than the majority of folks involved in St. Louis sports radio. That's from. The Crestwood Coyote. Where do you fall on the hair thing? You were uh, you weren't involved in that discussion this morning. That I, that I can get the hair thing. Oh yeah. What do you think? I don't know. I think for you, like. Yeah, it is kind of like a. What does it matter? I think there's a difference between going from like what Doug has with he has hair, right? Know, or he sports hair. It's just he's got the receding hairline to dropping the hairline to someone like you who's been, you know, seventeen years, semi-famously bald. For, yeah, like you said, 17 years and then having hair. Like if I could go early. back to what I had at Camo V, I'd be like, oh, that wouldn't be bad. But then at the same time, I have no idea what color it would be. Like, it's probably, I gotta have gray. Probably a little, a little salt and pepper. Like, my beard has some gray right here. Yeah, a little salt and pepper. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea what the fuck it'd look like. 
I mean, it'd be horrific. Like, if I grew my hair out for, like, the next three weeks, oh, my God. Uh, uh, Shaq once lost a bet (laughs) to Stephen A. Smith or something, and he had to grow his hairline out, and it was, like, halfway up his head. (laughs) And he comes on the air, and he's got the Stephen A. Smith look going. And so I've seen what the receding hairline when someone's who's famous. Yeah, mine would be like the guy in the 1970s, I think. Yeah. I think I guess there'd be a little hair here, but yeah. it'd be like this, like the you yeah, know, it'd like be the thicker old... around. Right, the sides. exactly. Yeah, that's that's not. Great. Those motherfuckers couldn't have been getting laid. There's no way. But if everyone kind of had that similar thing going, or at least God, that's what, what a it was. bad break for women. Yeah, and that was also before like wearing caps everywhere was totally accepted too. At least God, I think I wasn't allowed there. Motherfucker. Yeah, so guys would like grow their hair out like on the sides, and then they'd shoot it over across. Really the bad look. <laughs> like, really? like Woody Harrelson in Kingpin. Yeah, it's just Gene a... Cady on the sidelines for Purdue. Yeah, it's just not what you want. Oh God! All right, that'll wrap it up. Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I'm sorry I didn't go more into the YouTube chat. It was very active, and I apologize. I get going when people. There's certain topics, Jackson, and the entrepreneurial thing. I had a feeling that that was gonna get you moving. And the question was formatted and asked in a very. It was. Good well, I mean, way. the guy's an attorney. So he knew how to write. Uh, yeah, it was, it was well formed. I hope I answered his question. I really do feel strong. I mean, I, it's the kind of thing I'll get on the phone with him uh, to, to give. Again, it's not that you give my advice. I don't feel like I have advice to give. Surround yourself with good people. Stay the fuck away from bad people. And I'm not talking about, like, obviously, like, criminals. I'm talking about just, yeah, sometimes in your gut. Yeah, you get the feeling. Like, I ran from money in, in spots because I'm just like, eh, I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling there's something, you know, just certain traits here that I think this is going to be a problem. Um, and you want people who will tell you things that you, that aren't necessarily polite. You know, that's what you want. And then be willing to truly give your life to it. It's not pleasant, but you know, if that's what you want and you're wired that way, then uh, a great idea does not necessarily mean a great product. So I play that often. It's like, okay, sound story, but I've never heard anybody say it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. We got to create a great product. That's the job. The great idea. And plenty of motherfuckers talk about ideas. We talk about them on TMA all the time. Mm-hmm. TMA Shark Tank. <laughs> TMA Shark Tank. <laughs> and then nothing comes of them. <laughs> See the so, puppet uh, amphitheater? Yeah, yeah the puppet amphitheater like. is not being yeah. built right now. Uh, all right, uh, time for us to go. And uh, Jackson, I'm going to go downstairs and find out why I was cut from the St. Louis UI basketball yeah, team uh, 30 years ago. Get, get, get the straight skinny on that. What's going on there? Maybe it's because I couldn't make the throw from second base to first base. Well, Bill, put you at first. You don't have to make Thank any you. throws. Uh, there are a lot of first basemen who are 5'2". Yeah, you know, you'll tell the fucking infielders to throw it lower. Right. Adjust to you. I Thank don't see what, you. I don't see what yeah, the to issue was. To get my 200 right, batting average and zero home runs in the lineup. <laughs> the guy batting ninth is playing what? First base. Yeah. Probably going to be a rebuilding year for the University High School. Uh, time to go for Jackson Burkett. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been QFTA from the Longo Big Studios.